0: It's a little bit scary at times. It's like a handful of lollies, right? Like, <laughs> I really, really wanted a shower. It feels like a privilege to run on the train.
1: Mate, I'm only just starting to realise what this actually takes.
0: <laughs> there's a method to the madness. And that's when it started to get really difficult. If you're out there running ultras, you've got to crave information and knowledge
1: yeah. on all different areas. I just pretty much slid all the way down to the bottom mm. and then there's all these rocks. Oh,
0: no, I'm gonna be, you know, i get yeah. into
1: trouble. Is that even... Humanly possible. I'm still feeling the pain.
0: Please, yeah. Yeah.
1: There was a uh, one really weird bit right and the end. Sure, this will be the most listened to podcast Oh, absolutely! Don't go yourself, Hi, and welcome to Tales from the Midpack. I'm your host Rebecca Hunt. This is a trail running podcast where you'll hear stories from everyday runners about their running adventures, and you'll get to listen to some experts. Although today we have someone a little different. We have Akana Murray-Bartlett. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Akana is, yeah, she's not an everyday runner in the mid-pack sense, um, but she has just set a world record uh, running a marathon a day for 150 days, uh, which beats a previous female record by about 34 marathons, I believe. So Mm -hmm. smashing that record. Um, how long before that uh, is official with the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, great, great question. So um, I would probably prefer to run
0: 151 marathons and upload all of the, the data required to Guinness. It's a really long process, and I'm almost there. Um, you need to upload all the GPS data, timestamped, obviously, to show you run the distance and where you ran. And you've got logbooks and witness statements and. You know, media articles and there's a long list. I I finished on the 16th of Jan, and what two weeks in? Um, I'm still uploading, uploading yeah. evidence. Um, so I, I believe the turnaround is usually three months. Um, I'm just hoping that no one breaks it in between now and then, so I can actually hold on to it for a small amount of time. <laughs> it is a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you certainly see when people do amazing things, like in, like running community on social media. There's so much oh but and there's this over analysis of the gps data and it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. so i can imagine yeah, they, didn't use
0: strava. they yeah, I, because a lot of people said i'll just give them access to your strava but no they need a specific google earth file which it took me just as long to work out how to get that file than it did to, to <laughs> for everything else but yeah, i guess it's my chance now to give a shout out to so the the previous world record holders, a scottish couple two two friends women um and they run 106 and um they helped me with the guidelines because Guinness took that same three months to just to kind of give me the guidelines and I guess certify it as an attempt so it takes ages on both sides so yeah and so my guess shout out to anyone that is trying to break it is I will help you I won't lead you down the garden path I will give you the guidelines and I have had a lot of people reach out various similar records um, for those guidelines so yeah it's comprehensive so I do recommend if you're going for an attempt to get in touch because you would hate to get three months down and have to start again exactly
1: <laughs> exactly now before we really get into your amazing accomplishment we'll find out a little bit more about you when you are not running which obviously lately has been all the time but um <laughs> when you're not <laughs> what do you get up to I get up to lots of things. So I,
0: I I mean, yeah, before this I was actually still a runner. I used to used to compete in the marathon distance, but the roads, um and occasionally trails, had a run over fifty kilometers. Um, I'm a nutritionist by I guess profession um and I love to cook and I was working um in a food supply business so I was running a company called Natural Foods Trading Company and we were importing organic foods from around the world and distributing them to food manufacturers and um retail and yeah essentially food supply which was really fun until COVID hit and everything was very difficult and um yeah it was very stressful for my final year but yeah that's what I, that's what I do I was living on the gold coast but I'm traditionally from melbourne so kind of between the two major cities there it's it's, it's been good and then um yeah covid i guess was was the catalyst for for, for tips of toe
1: yeah so you kind of you wrapped up your business you wait, you haven't started your new venture yet, so you have time. Because I think that someone like me is the biggest question: is how do you have time to do this? <laughs>
0: yeah, Well, I didn't have time. I had to make time, and that yeah. was the most
1: exciting thing. Um, so it was something
0: I always wanted to do. And um, you know, I was thirty-one or thirty when I decided to do it. But it took a year. You know, it took a or or longer a year to to find enough sponsorship to make it viable um a year to work out um yeah how were you going to do it and and to be honest with you it wasn't until literally I'd already started till some of the plans fell into place so it was all very last minute and I was organizing it in and around working full-time training as well for for road races um you know friendships and a relationship so yeah it was never full full full-time and yeah now um because I did quit my job and I have stopped I've got You'd think a large amount of time, but I've got no energy.
1: So my days are are small (laughs)
0: at the moment.
1: Um, How long have you been running and what got you into it?
0: Yeah, I've been running since I was 23. So I grew up playing soccer. I played all over the world. I got a scholarship to the US to play soccer. It was my life. Um, and at 23, I moved across, well, you know, when you, you you grow up and you get your city home and I got a city home in Melbourne with some friends and I wanted to meet some new people, you know, away from um hospitality, which was my career at the time. Well, I guess my job at the university. Yeah. So across the road was an athletics club, Collingwood Athletics Club in Melbourne. And yeah, I talked to to a doctor. water. I was Naturally pretty good at it. I have a body for running and loved it. And yeah, met a lot of friends and had been running for about yeah, eight years or nine years before I attempted this. And it was all kind of a natural progression between running, you know, 1500s and then getting faster over 5K and then getting faster over 10K and then stepping up to the half. And it wasn't until 2018 that I ran my first road marathon and went way too fast, as I think most of us do, and conked out at 30Ks. So, yeah. Over yeah comfort, I, was,
1: I think you described it as. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And it's my coach's fault, and I'll blame him to the end of time, because he went out and, told, um, and was trying to pace 245,
1: which is a very ambitious first marathon, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, was it last year you got first in the Brisbane, first female Brisbane <laughs> marathon? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, I've had some
0: fantastic results. I mean, my most memorable was probably um my third place at Melbourne in 2019, and I was I think second in Canberra that following year, and fourth at Brighton in the UK, which had a bit more of a deeper field. Um, yeah, and I was definitely very fit those those years I was running the marathons. And I actually look back at my training now that I was doing in 2019 and think, wow, that's that's beastly. I couldn't imagine doing that right now. And, <laughs> um, yeah. It's a bit intimidating to think, is that what I need to get back? Um, so yeah, I did have a really good training base for this. And, and a lot of people ask me, how did you train for this? And the answer is I didn't. I, I, I relied on a lifetime of physical activity and I relied on nine years of you know, running. And I actually backed off the running to start this because I would work myself to the ground and then taper and, you know, be be raceway, and I would be pretty much on the on the brink of injury because I'd push myself so hard for a yeah. race, and then you just get through, and then you need a month to recover. You know, you put everything on the line. Whereas this is a completely different different event. I I wanted to be healthy at the start line, so I went to the gym a lot more. I I ate a lot more. I, I remember there's a photo of me at the start line, and I'm you know four or five kilos heavier than I am now. Yeah, and that was all intentional. That was part of the plan, and um. Yeah, I think you, you're going to naturally get fit over what you do. So I wasn't worried about that um, in the slightest. So, yeah, it was an interesting approach. And everybody gave me different advice. A lot of people told me that I had under-trained for it. Um, but, I mean, testament to I don't have any severe injuries that I think, I think I did the best that I could with the knowledge that I had.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that you've probably been asked this question a lot, but... I think it's just the obvious one to ask to orient listeners who aren't up to date is why did you take on this challenge? I know the answer, yeah. but
0: just like, yeah, you... no, of course. <laughs> it's an important question. And it's, it's the reason I am you know sharing my story because it's, it's an important question. So yeah, I mean, in 2019, off the back of some fast marathons, I had some absolute shockers. Um, I got injured in the Berlin marathon um, on an absolute rocket time that I was super disappointed about and had to, to DNF, uh, at 37 Ks and then tried to back it up even fitter in March of 2020 in Tokyo and the race was caught off for COVID so I had this intense amount of fitness that I'd never had before and so much drive and you know we plunged into COVID and there was no races and I was frustrated particularly living in Melbourne and I'm not, not sure how Adelaide was during lockdown but you know Melbourne was absolutely horrendous we, we had a one hour running curfew and like we couldn't go outside after cut room like eight o'clock and we're allowed 60 minutes outside, you had to have a mask. Like it was not conducive to exercise. Um, And yeah, at the same time, I have this love and passion for Australian wildlife and conservation, um, which goes hand in hand with trail running because you want to be running through the trails. You want to be outside. You want to be one and connecting with the the wilderness. So yeah, I think I thought uh, it was kind of the catalyst to pick up a lifelong dream I'd have to run the country um
1: and it's something you dreamed of from a child wasn't it
0: yeah 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 it's something i always wanted to do but you know it's one of those things that you think of when you're a child and then life kicks in and it becomes not feasible for literally a million reasons why why you wouldn't be able to do it I mean time is one physical ability is another money is 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 another like it's the list would go on um and I kind of had this realization where if I don't just make it happen, it's it's not just going to happen. It doesn't just the opportunity just won't fall into my lap. I'll have to make the opportunity happen. So, yeah, I kind of used COVID as the catalyst and and put it into the universe.
1: Yeah, and I think there was a little bit of inspo from uh, Bo Miles. There was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll I link was watching- a video of his. If people haven't watched any of his videos, you'd be like you have to. But it's so good. Yeah. There's someone who
0: just says, yeah, go on and do it. Why not? <laughs> and he's, he, he's amazing and he's an inspiration because he's not just an ordinary guy, but the challenges he chooses are not, they're not like gobsmacking. They're just unique. Like he'll just yeah. do something that takes you back to your roots. And I find that really captivating. Um, but no, I was stuck in, in hotel quarantine in Brisbane for two weeks and went down and watched one of his films yeah. and then I went down another rabbit hole and another rabbit hole so he was he was the one that reminded me that I had this dream and that it was just possible to do it
1: um yeah. and I, I need to reach out to him actually because I've shared his name a lot <laughs> and you mentioned um wilderness society so obviously part of this was raising funds for them Last I saw you're up to about one hundred and twenty five thousand haven't um, Correct, but it would be around that. I think, um, yeah,
0: I, I think, and I've got some sideline fundraisers that we were doing at the, the same time. So, yeah, yeah we're at 128700 now, which is which is
1: fantastic. Yeah, um, the donation page is still open, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, A link in yeah. the comments as always. But, um, oh, thank you. Going go for the Wilderness Society. But why are you were an advocate for this organisation?
0: Well, the Wilderness Society do incredible things for protecting nature um, and the way they do it is beautiful. So they connect people to have a voice. So there's several ways they do that. They've got, it's called the Movement for Life where they encourage people or or, or I guess teach people how to volunteer or how to get connected in their community to then create change. And I just found that it really aligned with me because I like the idea of getting people outdoors and active, but also connecting with nature. Um, And so that was definitely a good thing that i and i also know that it needs to be top down as well as much as we can motivate everybody to do their bit we need we need laws to protect from 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 a federal level and so they that's where most of their time goes into into um creating federal change to, to see nature protected and yeah i mean australia is a world leader in biodiversity loss and i think it's so sad when you're out here running with all these animals and um yeah they're part of who we are as as a country and it's just a shame that they don't get the same I guess protection as as a lot of other things so just a voice for the 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 little creatures that don't have a voice for themselves (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: Uh, you mentioned that you kind of you got fit along the way I mean not that you were unfit obviously to start with but um how did you how did you find your body adapted over time what were some of the changes because it's a long time
0: It's a long time. I noticed um, a long time. Yeah, I noticed that I got all my injuries in the first month. So, um, And surprisingly, uh, shout out to Cassie Cohen, who who ran a similar thing a couple of years back um, from Cairns, I believe, to to Melbourne or Tassie. She told me um, that you cannot quit in the first two weeks. The first two weeks will be the hardest. Do not, like, back then I wasn't sure if I'd take a rest day or go for this record. She's like, don't take a rest day in the first two weeks. Just your body
1: needs to get used to it. Um, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? People would think you would like degrade over time, but yeah. it's more your body goes into shock and then learns to deal with it. Is that? Totally. More- <laughs> because 300
0: miles a week is an unnatural amount of running. Yeah. You know, even for elite athletes. And a lot of the comments i got through socials were like that's um, that's dangerous it's a dangerous amount of running it's too much so of course your body's going to need an adjustment period and Mm. yeah i mean you're going to get overuse injuries because you're not used to running just for the length of time and also for me i was running slower so it's not just more distance it's more time on feet um but then once they faded it was kind of a mental battle until the last um month so i think there's Good? The, the vegetables on my bench. <laughs> <laughs> I am still camping. For listening. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and then the last month, surprisingly, and this was a combination of being back in Victoria with a lot of my running community coming out to support me, they all got a lot quicker. So my, my, my last month was half an hour quicker per marathon than, wow. than, than previously or more, sometimes 45 minutes faster. Um, and I just remember feeling so conditioned. Like my average heart rate for a marathon was 110 beats per minute um, across yeah. the marathon. And yeah. you just you're sore and you're tired, and you, you you no matter it's still a marathon and it's still it's still hard. But I think the conditioning that my body went through was amazing. I was so surprised.
1: Yeah. You did you said you started the first two weeks with the hardest. I think you got a calf injury. Is
0: that- yeah, I got a calf injury in my in my left calf. And I'm a toe striker, or not a toe, but I'm a four foot striker. Yeah. And um then to take the pain off the calf, and that was caused by the corrugations. It was in Weeper and it just was so very corrugated and really windy and just a really difficult day. And I felt it go and had no choice but to to run through it. And there's no physio services, there's no there's no services without you know um, until we got to Port Douglas. So I changed my running technique a little bit to just to absorb the pain, and I started heel striking, and yeah. I got this big, big severe tibant, like a, you know, that's like above the ankle when you when you lift your foot just over and over. And because that was different for me, that was more painful, infinitely more painful. So in the end, I had to race through the daintree to get this emergency physio treatment to strap up. Um, the top of my left foot so it would just take some of the weight off off the tibet. Um and that was the first time I was worried that you know you realize you're very human and one injury that you can't run through will derail the whole train and that was definitely the hardest part yeah mentally as well and considering it was only two weeks in at or two or three weeks in and you know you've quit your job you've got 10 sponsors on board your, your parents have taken long service leave to support your partners quit his job and you're like man there's so much riding on this only to get an injury so early in it was yeah. it was very hard yeah and then your quad went at some point as well I think great after so then um but lucky my, yeah my background is in like human physiology and, and nutrition and I just massaged the absolute beast out of this quad mm-hmm. and, and managed to do it myself yeah. um
1: I so remember. It like, that, yeah, you take a rest day and let things heal. Like, no, what was it like recovering while running? It was so that's the thing. Like, I,
0: I've never done anything like this before. I've never ran two marathons in a row before this, and I think that's the astronomical thing about the human body is it's got capabilities to heal even while I'm moving. I remember I, I had to see a physio on two occasions for this skin injury or this overuse injury, and it was two days apart. And I'd run 84 kilometres in between seeing her of the same injury. And the fact that it can heal with, you know, 42 kilometres a day still blows my mind. And I think it's just a testament to, to how strong we are. And that was one of the best things about this is understanding where our limits were and, and,
1: and how far we can push ourselves. Yeah. I think you said at the end that this was fun, but you'd reached your limit. Yeah. I <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, found, found it. it. <laughs> I definitely found
0: it um, mentally and physically and um oh, it's just it, yeah I, I, I think that had I have got a bad an injury where I, I was in pain for an extended period of time I, I don't know I would have been pushed further um I'm just lucky that my body did hold out and I think it was a testament to my history running um the fact that I made sure I was sleeping seven to eight hours every night and just eating and
1: uh, like an f ton worth of food every day as well so yes. Yeah. Um, one of the listener questions is how did your gut go over time? People are fascinated yeah. about that. Yeah.
0: It went, it got worse to be honest. With you. It started good. It started like I could eat anything. And I was, a lot of people asked me, was I having gels? And no, I wasn't having gels because 150 days of free gels a day would have, uh, probably, um, ended in a stern letter from my dentist so um I was eating real food until the last month and then I was then I finished on gels because the marathons got faster yeah um and there'd be points where I would eat an entire bowl of gnocchi at 23ks and I would be fine I could run um but as it went on I did find that I was sensitive to like fructoses and I got I got more sensitive as time went on which I think
1: Makes sense to me
0: because you just the the onslaught sort of food is, is, is was pretty drastic.
1: Yeah. I saw a stat on your Insta there were two hundred and thirty bananas involved.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> lots of cliff bars, lots of Barocca, lots of hydrolite. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of bananas. Every day was a banana
0: and a and a I started with oats but I found it was too um low GI in a way. I needed moreish, So I would I moved to cereal um, with peanut butter and a banana. And then I would have, um, yeah, cliff bars or sandwiches. I had a lot of just sandwiches halfway through the run, white bread, you know, egg and lettuce, or like jam and peanut butter. Um, And yeah, we're predominantly, my partner is plant based. So he did a lot of the cooking. So yeah, I'd say it was predominantly carbohydrates. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it seemed to work. I actually, interestingly, got my blood results back today because i did a blood test the second i finished and i was fine in everything but low in protein um, which probably is testament um to not being able to eat enough chickpeas and you know plant-based proteins to 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 keep that up but considering my intake was three times in my normal intake i'm pretty happy with them
1: yeah what were some of your favorite savory calories because obviously getting carbs through Sweet things, not a problem, but yeah. your fav- yeah, favorite. So Gnocchi you mentioned. Nokia's always my favorite. I'm a bit of a bit of a sucker for a good Nokia.
0: Yeah. I love things. So we were living in a camper. So whatever the same camper I'm in now, and we 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 were reliant on a on a stovetop. So yeah. by the end of it, I was craving anything you could cook in an oven, like a baked, like a lasagna or, or or a pie, or things that weren't curry, fried rice, stir
1: fry and pasta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um when your gut did go bad, like same kind of problem with injuries, you, you weren't able to take a day off to let it recover. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you handle gut issues with no rest day? especially I, when you got heat stroke, that probably would have been the worst. Yeah I I resorted to
0: a lot of um liquid calories so i i went from food to smoothies um i'd have a lot of a lot of surprisingly like ice creams and soft drinks and things that were just low fiber um and i found that the more simple the food the more i could get it in there was yeah a day i remember i would have had like four or five scoops of ice cream and maybe you know things you wouldn't eat like a creamy soda coke although probably not even coke because that's not great for your stomach either just you know um Hydrolyte, just yeah. just coconut water anything that's got calories but also hydration was was a winner
1: yeah yeah now you are changing topics you're a bit of a fan of cotton socks and I do still have a pair of <laughs> cotton socks in my drawer that I know I should throw away but I love them um how did your feet go in all of this
0: <laughs> I I don't know why but I always just like ankle socks it's just a habit like, they're to put on and I just don't change them for the run and I know I should I have all these brilliant socks that I just never wear um and I, I I they went okay so I got some blisters early on but I was told to rat strap my toes so I wore toe socks probably yeah, for the first month straight, and that was great. They they made a big difference. I would notice when I wouldn't wear them that I would get blisters. Um, but then in time, I would say within a month or six weeks, the t- entire toe kind of body got covered in a thick callus and under my foot, and it's still there now. And so you could, I could walk on rocks barefoot, and it w- I could barely feel it. They were so thick that it actually acted almost like a toe sock, and I didn't need to. And that's when I resorted back to the cotton socks. Um, and where it became an issue is the callus was this is this is not fun talk, but the callus would get so thick it would move across and then you know cause issues on the other toe but I had to separate them again so (laughs) it's amazing like your body looks after it it knows that it's getting you know battered so it creates these like bliss resistant calluses
1: (laughs) and I saw early on that you were like I know trail runners run through water but like I've got a long way to go.
0: I'm taking my shoes and socks off for this. I wasn't racing, right? I didn't have, it didn't matter if it was a three and a half hour marathon or a five hour marathon. My, my, my restrictions (laughs) were it had to be a marathon and I couldn't stop, but I could definitely take my shoes off and walk through rivers. And for my comfort, I, I I often did. If I was in the last 10 Ks and I was a bit, bit tired, I would run through them, but
1: yeah, where I could, I I would, I would walk, walk through rivers with my shoes in my hands. um so what kind of patterns of highs and lows did you go through in this they would have been quite some ups and
0: downs (laughs) I I had tactics when it got bad and I would say I had three good runs and then a bad run usually on average and that was usually related to how I felt um if you if you're, wake up and you're sore, you know it's going to be a hard day and the mental game then trying to know you've got such a long get, long day ahead of you is hard. Um, I lent on the kindness of the community a lot. I had a lot of people run with me. Um, I wouldn't even be able to give you a number. I'd say pretty much from Cooktown, I, I had company and um, for the most part, I wouldn't have been able to do this without the people that ran with me. Um, I mean, even... Even the people that came out for 20 kilometers and ended up just finishing the full marathon with me. I mean, that's just so impressive to me. Um, and yeah, I definitely had bad days. And every time I had a bad day, it was always a solo day. So I, I know very clearly where I get the enjoyment out of running. Um, it's where I am and it's who I'm with. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I had a really horrible day in Bowen where I had to run straight down the Bruce Freeway, traffic going like... You know, there it was, it was roadworks the entire way, so there was no shoulder. Headwind the entire way, it was raining. Um, a magpie swooped me and I almost had to step out into the traffic because so there was no shoulder. But so here's the yeah. oncoming traffic. I'm getting swept by a magpie. It's raining, windy. I dropped my headphone and I got run over by a car. I was like, "Oh no!" Oh, everything's against me today. And I remember stopping, like, I, I remember being picked up on the side of the road um, at 42 kilometer mark and just being like, I can't talk about that run. Um if I talk about it, I'll cry and I'm not going to want to go again tomorrow. So let's just pretend yeah. that never happened, think <laughs> about lunch and move right on.
1: <laughs> so there were a few a few days where there were tears on the, on the path. Um, I think every day I cried once. Yes. <laughs> <Every day. laughs> um, and I know that music and podcasts were one of the things that got you through. So the loss of the headphone would be a bit tragic. Yeah, and then I had I borrowed my partner's massive. He's not a runner, so he's a,
0: he's a, he's one that's creating the content. So these massive yeah, yeah. over the head, uh, like headphones, the big yeah. ones. And I remember I had those for about a week until everyone back home had been watching on socials and like this is unacceptable. So they sent me a pair of had <laughs> in inner ear headphones. I was like, oh, they're yeah. the people you need in your life. Well, I mean, you had your
1: own singing in the meantime <laughs> if you needed. That was I, favorite, I think. <laughs> Oh, you got to do what you got to do to get through, you know? <laughs> and I think it, you talk about in one of your posts having this revelation, um, and I think you've had it about a de- decade earlier than I did, that when you have negative evo- emotions, you just you sit with them and you let mm. them be and you let them do what they need to do and pass through. And mm. you talked about this, the process of not resisting when you didn't feel great was key to actually moving that mood on.
0: Absolutely. and it's something that I wish I I took on to the way I'm trying to recover now because since I finished I, I, the first three days I was on a bit of a I guess a high you know there's a lot of media and there was like, my family it was in town and they all left and I remember for this past week just feeling so flat like almost sick to the point where I you know I wake up and I want to go back to bed and but at the same time I'm trying to do so much I'm trying to work out what my next move is I'm trying to work out where home is I'm try- I'm trying to make these massive decisions and I'm not sitting in the fact that I'm fatigued and I need to take that advice that I you know shared and t- and I've learned with 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 Kind of the resilience through this, and go no. Use this time to recover. Don't you don't have to achieve everything in the next week. No one, no one else is expecting you to push through this time. So why are you putting so much pressure on yourself? So my my, my hardship right now
1: is trying to just actually slow down. It's been surprisingly difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you talk about, um you know, you had the sponsors, and you had, you know, your partner taking time of work and your parents long service leave and and all this expectation all this media was that enough and supporting wilderness society like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a lot but was that enough or was there something in you that had to give yourself the why to keep going when it did get really tough oh it was that's all extrinsic that's all outside. yeah no
0: it was very much intrinsic I think at the end of the day extrinsic factors they push you but yeah you you have to want it for yourself as well and I I remember that after I broke the world record I guess it's both actually because yeah after I broke the world record I'd achieved that you know personal goal of of Mm. of holding a world record and something that I never expected I'd ever be able to do and I was so proud of that moment but then I had all these other marathons to run that were right. extremely difficult and that's when I had to lean on the extra. Yeah. Like, like I did wonder would
1: it get harder once you broke the
0: record <laughs> it got so hard for about a week it got yeah. so hard and then I, I remember telling myself okay well you haven't hit your fundraising goals so you need to make that everything you need to you need to make the awareness part of, of, of this so big and you know, your, your original goal before you even knew about this world record was to get to Melbourne. So I had to kind of shift the goalposts. So I had another thing to personally chase. And I think that's just, it's just who I am. I'm very goal-driven, um, in, in my running ability, just against myself, you know, it's just, um, and so always giving myself these little personal goals on top of everything else was, was really important. And I remember telling myself about a thousand times when you tell your grandkids this, or, you know, you're, your know, yeah. relatives, in, in in fifty years. You don't want to say, "Oh, you almost ma- you got to Newcastle." That's pretty good, you know. You <laughs> got to Canberra. Like, no, you made. You want to tell them you made the whole thing because you don't yeah. want to be the one that has to say you nearly got there. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. Now we are. I've got five minutes left. My two leaning points for recovery. And um, the worst part for me was even around that kind of Gold Coast area where everyone runs really early in the morning and I was already running really early but it kind of coincided with a few night things back to back and yeah I was living off kind of five or six hours sleep for about a week straight between Brisbane and and Byron Bay and yeah you'd really notice the difference I mean when when I think like nine hours is what what I was trying to get every night to, to, to drop that down um But the the best part about doing what I was doing is I was in remote parts of Australia for 99% of the time. So Mm -hmm. sleeping and you had kind of, you were so tired in the evenings, the sun would go down at seven. You would usually have too many mozzies out to to, to be outside. So you'd go into your camper at like 7.04 and then fall asleep by, you know, 8.30 after watching or just like, you know, decompressing for the day or watching something. Um, and so you get up with the birds when the light came through at six. So I was very much just in rhythm with with the light. Yeah. And then as they got south into into Melbourne, light was like ten o'clock, <laughs> and then it would be up kind of before me. So I actually didn't see day nighttime for a couple of weeks there.
1: Wow. Oh. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned the remoteness, and you've said that um, in one of your posts that you weren't really fully prepared for the remoteness. Like what were some of the challenges that you face in those really isolated areas?
0: Yeah, the, the the very little thing is you have to rely on everything you've downloaded and so I got a little bit sick of the same music over and over and over again. <laughs> but on a more serious note, um, the, the issue for the remoteness was um, when the rendezvous went wrong because you couldn't communicate if something had happened and I wasn't being followed with a car so I would essentially head out on my own and um and camp would just be set up 42 k south. So sometimes if it was very, very remote, I would have um, my partner come and drop water and check in with me every 10 kilometers. Um, but there would be days where there would be a fork in the road and, you know, if one of us thought we were supposed to meet on the left and one went right, um, we would be completely lost. So um, as it got worse and more and more kind of towards the Cape, um, my mum actually got an electric bike and she rode with me the whole way just because if anything went wrong she could go a lot further and faster than me so she could go one way check in come back because yeah. uh yeah there's no reception there's no you know there's no point having a phone phones are only good for music and um uh, and offline maps up there which yeah.
1: you know. <laughs> yeah. cuz you did have some issues where yeah you didn't have enough food and water at times early on as you were getting used to all that
0: yeah, there was one day in particular where I definitely didn't take enough and um, that was a day where um, I was with my partner. He was on the bike filming um, and we'd taken a massive wrong turn and we'd ended up 20 kilometres or even more, like 30 kilometres south of the rendezvous point. And I got I hitchhiked to where mum and dad said they would be in the car and he couldn't hitchhike because the car didn't have room for a bike. So he waited on the side of the road and I said, I'll hitchhike down, grab the car and come back and get you. Anyway, got to the point where they said they would be. They weren't there. There was no one there. I was just dropped off in the middle of the Cape on the side of this red dirt road um, and waited an hour and a half. No one showed up. Um, and my poor partner was just in the middle of the road, just, you know, 30 k's north. Um so eventually I hitchhiked again kind of forcefully too. So it was the wrong direction for them. I was like, I need to go back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so they like, were kindly enough and everyone has uh like radios and so they said over the radio to everyone driving. Oh, has anyone seen a uh you know, a man on a bike and then we hear back over the radio, oh we've seen a bike, there's no one on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's me panicking, but he'd just gotten out of the sun. He'd parked the bike on the side of the road, which is right out of battery, and then went and sat in the shade in the bush because it was ours. Um, so neither of us had any water. And eventually we had to hitchhike again with a bike this time, back 30 kilometres south and then into the bush. And eventually by chance met mum and dad who had gone into the bush thinking that I'd come the original way that I'd said and not listen to the rendezvous plan. Anyway, long story short, we learnt that day that we need an A plan, a B plan and a C plan because when A goes wrong and we don't have a B, yeah. you, you know, you're pretty much up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that would have been scary. It I think we got trapped by some flooding at one point.
0: Yeah. we were really- marathons
1: on the same bit of road, up and down, up and down.
0: Three days straight we got landlocked in the gem fields. There's three roads in and out. And yeah. Um, yeah, we couldn't leave, and so I was running, running, and also I was running through that flood affected water. Um, I don't. I actually had a really beautiful time though, because it was um breeding season for the emus, and there was just emus with these gorgeous little like flocks of baby emus, whatever they're, they're called, just mm-hmm. everywhere. So I was I was having the time of my life. Um, and yeah, but we couldn't leave. So three days in a row, I had to go this same like up and back, up and back, and there was the same magpie that swooped me every single day, every single time I ran past it, and I was just like, <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Yeah, you had a few
0: things like there was mention of a crocodile. Yeah, we we, we saw, I mean, I've, that's a part of it. It's so funny, you know, I'm out here running for wildlife and now have more of a fear of wildlife than I did when I started. <laughs> no, uh, I just,
1: yeah, like you got charged by a bull
0: as well. Yeah, yeah, I got chased by a bull. And, and this is the thing about it is it really it makes you realise that you're actually quite small and it's just you in the wilderness. You know, you're actually not the biggest fish and, you're quite vulnerable, and we don't have a lot except for legs. and when there's a bull um coming at you, it's very it's very scary. And my mum was on the bike at the time, and she just rode off ahead and just like she was scared and went off further than me to get out of the way of it. Yeah. So um, yeah, but it's all part of the adventure of it, I think mm.
1: What were some of the more like the the unexpected challenges, like things you wouldn't have thought you would face?
0: Hmm. The insects, like I would try and stretch and I'd get absolutely destroyed by midges and mozzies and you just never could relax. Um, there were, yeah, they, they were kind of a funny one that I didn't factor in. I was like, Oh, I'll stretch every night and I'll, you know, I'll foam roll and you just, you just couldn't. Um, I guess I've never been to the Cape or far North Queensland before, but it's just such a beautiful, picturesque part of the world. And, um, the water is so tempting but you can't go in because there's stingers and crocs and sharks and it's just like this wild west of of nature that kind of stops you from doing the one thing you want to do up there which was swim um but i think yeah i think for me the greatest challenge was the distance ahead of me like 150 days is such an enormous amount of running that i just had to constantly break it up into small little steps to make sure that um yeah i could i could i could deal with it mentally knowing how much distance was ahead so yeah I broke it up into weeks and days and thousand k's and then park runs and literally every denomination of a distance yeah
1: there was there was one video where you were climbing back up an embankment and you said I, I took my eyes off the road oh yeah. remember what happened there
0: <laughs> I felt like sometimes because like, you're out there all day I was um running I was in like this I can't remember exactly where it was but I was following a relatively narrow path and I would would have even been it happened so many times I can't, like I was either looking at my phone or I was just looking over into the view and and I, I would have missed my it probably happens all the time on trail running missed my footing and fell straight down the side of the embankment. <laughs> uh, and what
1: were some of the fun things
0: that happened along the way? The people I met and the and the wildlife and the places I saw. I saw national parks that I would probably i mean what a cool way to see Australia is by foot. I mean, um, yeah, I, I was super lucky to have met people in all walks of life um, that showed me their local trails from, yeah, I had people come all the way out to Mount Buffalo with me. They showed me around Aubrey, Wodonga, Newcastle, Townsville, Cairns, Lakeland in far north Queensland. Um, everybody runs it's something, every you know, we can all collectively do and it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, or, you know, mm-hmm. Or anything, a cook. If you've got, you're not working. You're a new mom. You've got older kids. It doesn't matter what who you are. We can connect in running, and it's something we all have in common. So, yeah, the people I met was pretty phenomenal as well.
1: And some partying. I think there was something where your comment about it was the less said, the better. Must have been a good night. There was something you said the the less said about that, the better. Got a bit rusty uh, uh, after last night's shenanigans. <laughs> oh, I would have totally been joking.
0: I, I did not drink much at all. It's a funny it's new year, so I feel it just must yeah. be a
1: new year celebration.
0: Yeah, yeah. my new year celebration was a glass of champagne and a nine o'clock, and a nine o'clock bedtime. Um, and, yeah, we have a beer sponsor, Young Henry's, and so we had all the beer, more beer than I could ever imagine, but yeah, I think one one a night was all I could really stomach, less I, I woke up a bit rusty the next day.
1: But <laughs> well, at the end you were just surrounded by people. There were people who came from overseas, friends, family. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it like- was awesome. And the beautiful thing about that, so I did four laps of the Botanical Gardens, it's a 4K lap, and um, – yeah, the best thing about it was that I didn't actually realize how big it got towards the end, and we'd collect people every single lap. So by the end of it, it was this stampede, and yeah, it was. It's not till I've looked back on the footage I was like, that was awesome. You know, I'm never going to forget how that felt. Yeah.
1: And along the way, it was also, you know, raising awareness for the Wilderness Society. So there was like school groups and community groups. So there was connecting with those people along the way.
0: Yeah, I did lots of school visits. Um, it was one of the best parts of it It was we were talking about goal setting. We're talking about, um, yeah, conservation, this situation for Australian wildlife, first aid in the outdoors, um, which was a big one. I was, you know, like I said, one of the barriers for people to go outside is I guess a lack of, of, a fear of, you know, it's all of our venomous creatures. So we were talking about, you know, the right first aid and, yeah, it was good. It was a beautiful way to meet new people and um, hopefully inspire some some young boys and girls to, to chuck on some running shoes and yeah, get outdoors.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and at that finish at the end, um, they must have been quite dedicated people because he had loops, repetitive loops, and it was basically hill reps. I think there was a yeah. bit of hill in it too. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah. I know it was it was
0: incredible it was good to see so many people come out I mean some people did 42k that day I had a girlfriend who ran 45k because she had to run to the start line and then home again so um yeah I think that's the beautiful thing about it is you can get people to really push themselves and like I said I had people who who told me they would run 10ks with me and I'd look across 33ks in and I was still there I'm like what are you doing here so it was fun it, it was it was kind of Getting people together um, to run in groups was was fun. I know a lot of people messaged me after and didn't really understand that it was even a social sport. Like, I'd only ever run by themselves, and once they'd had a little taste for running in a group, which I mean, you're very familiar with. It's like it's your social outlet, right? It's yeah, it's your it's your it's your kind of outlet to to meet people as well as exercise. So yeah, that that, that was cool. Yeah.
1: Um, something I noticed. Um, in looking at footage of you was you seem to always be basically in the same outfits <laughs> i just feel like going did she have like lots of copies because they're like her favorite because you can have clothes that you really love or i don't know you're on the road every day in a camper van it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> So that was that was actually just a uniform specifically designed for tip to toe so oh, really? i i had to, yeah so it was a it was a um a design by an Aboriginal woman in um, South Yarra where I was living at the time and she designed it and we kind of got all the sponsors checked on it. And yeah, I did. I had 10, 10 singlets and only four, four or three. We had some days where the shorts were definitely probably not okay to wear again, but um, <laughs> it also allows for a bit of continuity. Um, so yeah, it was fun. And it's always about, um, you know, the more I wore it, the you know I'd run through a city later on, and people would recognize the uniform before they recognize me, and that was fun. <laughs> um.
1: So, how has your body gone with recovery? It's
0: good. It's it's it's. I'm going to try and run tomorrow, not far, probably like an hour, maybe maybe 12, 11 k's. Um. I haven't done anything yet. I've been doing a little bit of coaching, but nothing, um, nothing strenuous. I tried to go to the gym, but I don't have a lot of energy. I, I'm waking up and I'm sleeping again. And um, I think this is to be expected. I mean, yeah. And it's also just the emotional exhaustion as well. It was such a, such a big task, you know, just the entire time. Like it wasn't just a run. It was a school visits. It was the community visits. It was sharing the story. It was you know, the media surrounding it. So I think I was just as much emotionally
1: exhausted as physically exhausted. And you you said you got um, brain fog afterwards. Has that begun to clear? I got, yeah, yeah, so funny. So I got
0: that immediately, like day two. And it's definitely clearing now. But I remember there's a, there's a man called uh, Timmy, he's running the Lord right now, trying to break the record. He messaged me, I think like four or five days into his run and he goes, oh, I can't help. When did the brain fog fade? I was like, mate,
1: it it didn't. <laughs> so he's trying to break the record. Yeah, the exactly. record for so, is like six hundred, isn't it? It's four hundred and thirty. So I must the have read something that wasn't an official record. Then some Spanish. Yeah. Record.
0: Oh no. He's, yeah, you know that one. That's correct. That, that's the most. That's the most marathons run by a man. Is like six hundred something crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, but he's trying to break the record for the fastest person to circumnavigate the world.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Check him out.
0: He runs the world, but he, um, yeah, he currently is in mid brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: And um, you talk about that. There's been a lot of media, like what has that been like the, the media response? Oh, phenomenal. It's
0: exactly what you want, particularly because, not only does it shed more light on the reason you're running. I mean, you're using the run as a platform to share a bigger story, right? So, so if it does get attention, that's 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 a goal. Um, I guess for the personal accolade, it's, it's it's for me. It's not why I did it. It was more more to shed light on the on the reason I was running. Um, but it is also good for for I guess being a female in in a relatively male dominated world. It was good to see that there was you know just as much um light shed on a female performance potentially a male performance. And that, that was good because it just subconsciously gives um you know gives more more I guess appearance to women in sport, which is not something I'm also quite passionate about.
1: Not yeah, that that was we talked about yeah. that on the Ramia podcast and I was thinking, oh, I won't bring it up because it do it on there. But then I was reading through your Instagram and the number of like, oh but insert male name here yes. did that. It's like we're not talking about that right now. Why yeah. is it relevant? It was there were so many. Hey, this guy did this comments on your posts. I was like, oh. Yeah, it was it was something that I
0: yeah, <laughs> been the entire way through and which is fine. I mean, it's just um yeah, it, it's good to just be out here doing it. I think that Australia's definitely come a long way, but it's still got a long way to go. So yeah, it, yeah. it, it feels good to have achieved something. Yeah um and and just showing that it's possible it's something that I'm very very passionate
1: about well there were a lot of people yeah kind of taking them down going eh, actually blah, blah, blah. I, I did see one unanswered one so I did
0: I love everyone that's doing attempts
1: like this it's not it's not the runner it's just it's society as. it but so you did do you know like um how on Jimmy Fallon they do the mean celebrities read mean tweets and yeah. you the bad Apple post and you just had a bit of fun going through no, that's what inspired me to do it. I love just it. Like I love people think, oh you're gonna hurt yourself like all this kind of um funny stuff. Some crackers, uh, I believe you called them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, one of my favorite was 300 kilometers per week, but you're not a real athlete. <laughs> <laughs> i use that all the
0: time yeah i'm like oh, i shouldn't be doing this i'm not a real athlete <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> that's pretty funny um and what was the response like along the way to um you raising awareness about the extinction crisis
0: it was very it was most it was 99 positive and i think my whole theory behind it was people don't even understand there's a crisis i mean um even in the last 15 years our koala population is declined by like 60 something percent so um just getting people to to be aware that it's something that actually needs a voice um because you think oh there's kangaroos everywhere there's wildlife everywhere but I mean there's 500 species that are endangered um and they're you know globally significant animals so no I think it went I think it, it went really well it's definitely um inspired me to do more in this space it's not it's not done there's so much work to do um from grassroots right up to I guess A federal level, there's um yeah. I think the best thing about this is that it has inspired me to do more in this space. Even if my body needs a break, my um my
1: mind can keep working. Yeah, and what do you feel that you've learned from this adventure that you will take away with you? Well, the biggest thing is
0: that you can do more than you think you can because I didn't know I could do this, and I think you just everybody um I've learned to back myself, and that it's that sometimes it can it can pay off, and just to take take that risk that you're always umming and ahhing about um yeah and also if I failed it would have sucked but at the end of the day I would have grown from that too so I kind of went into this 50% sure I would fail (laughs) and I'm really glad I took the risk do you feel um you're mentally stronger now oh a million percent stronger in so many ways um physically stronger mentally stronger um, I feel more compassionate because the amount of people that reached out to me and supported me in, in any small way, offered accommodation, ran with me, gave me a lift when I, you know, needed to be picked up. Uh, it's, it's inspired me to pay it forward. Um, and, I, and, I, and I also want to also get behind, you know, more initiatives of people doing big things like, and really give them the support that I can. Um, yeah, that's what I've taken from this
1: yeah I have a question here what is settling being uh, settling into normal life been like but you're not really in normal life oh, you're in a camper van you're yeah. doing all these interviews you're <laughs> trying to do all this tech work to get your record approved like there's no normal life yet It it's like. not normal and it's funny um, we are taking the
0: camper north to return it and it's, we're calling it the victory lap because we're driving past all these places like oh right here here and i are in here and there's so much to do it's not quite there yet I think once the, re- the camp has returned and Guinness is uploaded it might be a weird shock and I'm actually worried I can already feel a little bit of like I miss it already and it's not even over yet so um,
1: it's pretty good okay. for people to have some kind of not necessarily depression but a little bit of blues like because you've built so long for this and then it's done all right yeah and it it was six months non-stop of my life so it was a huge endeavor and
0: but there's still things that are gonna hold on like we're turning this into a film um which will take
1: yeah i'm i'm excited so your partner's a documentary maker
0: he's a yeah so he's a video
1: posts i'm assuming he's made them they're phenomenal
0: yeah yeah, i'm very excited too it's a big project um and that was the beauty of this is being able to do something with your partner because um yeah, we had, so my my kind of project was the run and his project was the documenting of it and it's kind of a really good partnership. Um, and, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. Who knows? It's going to have its trials and tribulations, I'm sure, as well. Um, lots
1: mm. of bouncy running footage. <laughs> no,
0: yeah.
1: it, it's the so next for us. Obviously, we can have a look at your Insta post for now, but is there something he's done that we can have a look at?
0: Oh, not yet, no. So yeah. I mean, done before is I guess commercial so this, will okay, be okay. this is his first solo project so yeah. see. Yeah. Okay.
1: now I have a um a question from someone at work yeah so talking about your happy hour today I'm going I'm you, and they say, oh ask her what her favorite ice cream flavor is because she tried so many ice creams it's a toss-up between coconut and vanilla how boring is that
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much part all I've tried no. more, but vanilla, it just seems so always like, oh, El Coke. anything like creamy coconutty is, is is right up my alley.
1: <laughs> so do you have any ideas of what you'd like to do with your running next?
0: I have too many ideas. I think that's the issue. Um, and I've got people who have given me even better ideas as well. So I think the next step for me, I'd love to do a collaboration um, and I would like to, yeah. Uh, and it was good it's always going to be in the conservation um, environmental space but uh, it's too early to tell i've got to yeah. wait and see how my body bounces back but no there'll, there'll be something
1: else i just don't know exactly what that is yet so thank you so much for your time today and i'll put links to everything we've mentioned in the show notes including i'm going to look up what do you call baby emus Please I don't, I
0: don't know. know. <laughs> I did learn though, I did learn that the male is the dad is the mom. Also, you know what I mean. The dad is the I shouldn't say that. The dad is the carer of the carer of, of the, the egg. Yeah. The, yeah. And then of the baby. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> That's really cool. But yeah, congratulations on your achievement. I absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. That's thank you. Thanks for having me. See you later. If you ever have a suggestion of who you'd like on the show and what you'd like covered, drop me a message via Facebook. And if you're looking for a down-to-earth human at the other end of your training plan, someone who will individualize training to work with your goals and life schedule, get in touch at Stepping Stone Coaching. All the links are in the show notes. Happy trails, everyone.